Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message. World Overcomers family, come on, happy Wednesday. It's a good Wednesday night. It's a good Wednesday night to be tuned into service. I hope and pray that you're up participating, not just watching this passively, but actually actively engaged, actively involved. Hey, let me know in the chat right now whether or not we've got perfect attendance. Come on. If this is uh, your third week rocking with me, then let me know in the chat. Give me a three for three. Come on. Uh, just type in the chat, three, four, three. Three, four, three, Pastor Manny, let me know. Uh, let me know whether or not you've been here uh, for three weeks. I uh, am really, really, really enjoying uh, teaching this content. I hope that you are receiving it well. I hope that you are finding this content to be useful, to be helpful, to be a blessing, to be profitable, to be beneficial. Um, so I want to dive right in. Come on. We're studying the story of Joseph, the life of Joseph, and the prayer is that by the end of this series that God builds resilience in you, resilience in you. So I want to go to Genesis, okay? I want to go to Genesis, um, and my full thought will probably span tonight uh, and next Wednesday. So my full thought will probably span tonight and and, and next Wednesday. Uh, so this probably is going to be a two-part sermon, okay? Two-part sermon. And so uh, I may leave us on a little bit of a cliffhanger. We'll see. We'll see how much I can get done in, in the 30 minutes that I've got to preach to you tonight. Let's go to Genesis uh, chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. It says this. Uh, his brothers, and the his here is Joseph. Okay, Joseph's brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? This is their response to Joseph sharing the dream that God has given him. Okay, will you actually rule us? And they hated him. Come on, and they hated him. Come on, we need to repeat that again. And they hated him all the more because on the side, behind their backs, he was trying to talk to their girls. No, that's not what the Bible said. Okay, no, what does it say? Okay, because he was being shady and ratting them out to their daddy. Oh, no, no, that's not what it says. Uh, he, they hated him all the more because ooh, of his dream and what he had said. I, I could preach a whole sermon just on that, that they don't hate him because he does anything wrong. They don't hate him because he does anything shady. They don't hate him because... He uh, is, is, is purposefully malicious towards them. No, they hate him because of the dream that's on his life. Can I tell you why a lot of people reject the dream that God has for their life? They reject the dream that God has for their life. 
because they know this internally. They know this intuitively, that dreams bring division. That's right. Dreams bring division. And you don't want God to bring division between you and your uh, siblings. You don't want God to bring division between you and your friends. You don't want God to bring division between you and your parents. And at some point, you're going to have to realize that you've got to be more loyal to the dream that God has for your life than loyal to the relationships with people who are envious of your dream because they have rejected their dream on their life. The real reason that dreams bring division is because dreamers, I wonder if I'm talking to any dreamers tonight. Come on, any dreamers. I wonder if you have a dream that you're going to break generational strongholds off of your family. That's what we preached about last week. I wonder if there's a dream that you have for whether or not you're going to be uh, a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or whether or not you're going to be in the tech space or the crypto space. Like, uh, like what dream do you have? I, I, I'm the first Orango to graduate from college. I'm the first Orango with a master's degree. I'm the first Orango uh, to get my doctorate. Come on, I'll be Dr. Manny Orango by 2024. Come on. Uh, I'm the first Orango to do that. But I had a dream about that stuff when I was 13, 14, 15 years old. When I was 13, I used to say, I'm going to be the first Orango to be a published author. I'm going to be the first Orango on Oprah. I'm going to be the first Orango to be a pastor. I'm going to be the first Orango to ever be a preacher. I'm going to be the first Orango to have kids after marriage, not before. Hello. I'm going to be the first Orango to fill in the blank. That was a dream that I had on my life, and I hope you have a similar dream on your life. But that dream in my own personal life has brought division. Now, I, I, okay, come on, come on. This is controversial. But I think that when you go to family reunions and, like, family cookouts, if nobody says to you, oh, you think you're better than us, then I don't think you're actually trying that hard to fulfill the dream that God has on your life. Because I know that I'm pushing towards my dreams based on the hate that I get from people who are stuck in small thinking, stuck in the family mindset, stuck in a generational cycle, stuck in generational trauma, stuck in a generational curse. See, I know that I agitate them because of the things that come out of their mouth. If I always make dysfunctional people feel comfortable, then I have to begin to ask the question, am I dysfunctional myself? But the reality is that functional people irritate dysfunctional people. Functional people, healed people, irritate unhealed people. Oh, people with joy irritate people who have decided that they are going to be Eeyore, that they have adopted the spirit of Eeyore, you know? Uh, so I have to ask this question. Here we go. The, the, down to why is it that there's division between those with dreams and those without dreams? Uh, there's division because dreamers have to live a disciplined lifestyle. If you are going to be a dreamer, if you're going to be resilient, then you have to have integrity. And people with integrity that are resilient with character, people who can actually not just have a dream, but see that dream come to pass, 
Those kinds of people are disciplined individuals. Now, there's, I was a youth pastor for about 10 years, and uh, teenagers would come up to me a lot and begin to say things like, I just really struggle with discipline, Pastor Manny. It's hard for me to do my devotions every day. It's hard for me to pray. It's hard for me to, uh, to be disciplined. It's hard for me to say no to weed. It's hard for me to be abstinent. It's hard. Discipline is difficult. And I would begin to look at them and I'd say, ah, you've misdiagnosed the problem. You don't have a, a discipline problem. You have a dream problem. Can I tell you when discipline becomes easy? Discipline becomes easy when you adopt a dream for your life. It is very, it, it is very difficult to be disciplined when you have no dream. Because the Bible says this, where there's no vision, people cast off restraint. It's easier to have restraint, a.k.a. discipline, when there is a vision for where I'm going. If I'm living for today, I'll never be disciplined. But discipline is the ability to dream about tomorrow and be so infatuated with that tomorrow that I'm already in tomorrow. I'm not even living for delayed gratification because although I'm in today, I can feel the gratification of tomorrow because I've tapped in to the next season of my life through the prophetic lens that I live my life through. I'm not living for today. Undisciplined people are living for the moment. That's why they can't save money. Hello. That's why they can't invest money. Hello. That's why they can't tithe. Because all they are thinking about is today. But I have realized that I'm not living for today. I'm actually living so that 65-year-old Manny Arango is happy with the decisions that 34-year-old Manny Arango made. And right now, I can tell you that 34-year-old Manny Arango is pretty happy with the decisions that 15-year-old Manny Arango made because I've had a dream governing my life. And when you have a dream, it's actually a whole lot easier to be disciplined. One of my friends, they were commenting uh, because I did a 40-day fast, 40 days of just liquids right before my wife got pregnant with my son. And the reason I was fasting for 40 days is because I was tired of infertility. I was sick and tired of pre negative pregnancy tests. I was tired I, we had had a miscarriage, and I mean, I was tired of bad news. And I remember one time, the Lord just checked me and said, you haven't even done everything in your power. If, if you really want a child, why don't you fast? And I remember the Lord challenging me. So I turned my plate down for 40 days. And I remember one of my friends recently said, man, you're clearly disciplined. You didn't eat food for 40 days straight. And I said, ah, I guess, yeah, I was disciplined, but really, I wasn't disciplined is I'm tempted to do something and I resist temptation. Here's the reality. I wasn't even tempted to eat, and the reason I was not tempted to eat is because I realized that nothing was going to taste as good as fatherhood. Whoo! I need that to get into your spirit. I realized nothing tastes as good as fatherhood. I wasn't a father yet, 
but I put myself in the shoes of 34-year-old Manny who had an 11-month-old son, and I tapped into the future. And when you tap into the future, you're able to have discipline for today. And it looks like discipline to everybody else, but really, it ain't discipline. It's your dream working for you. You're so caught up in the dream that you have of the future that you've embraced restraint and it's not that hard to have restraint when there's a vision for your life. Not that hard to have discipline when there's a dream for your life. So the real reason that dreamers and non-dreamers don't really get along is because non-dreamers can live an undisciplined life. So non-dreamers are the ones that want to go partying with you every weekend and so that you waste all your money because they don't have a dream. They're only living for the weekend. They're only living for immediate gratification. Of course it's the non-dreamers who want to puff, puff, pass. Of course it's the non-dreamers who want to vape. Of course it's the non-dreamers that always are willing to sacrifice their future because they don't even know their future. Why would I protect something that I don't prioritize? I'm not going to protect my dream because I don't even know it. But if God has given you a revelation of a dream that he has for you, then it is now incumbent upon you to uh, uh, walk in the division that comes when non-dreamers start asking you to do undisciplined things and you have to create a boundary around a person who's sabotaging their life and you don't want them to sabotage your life as well. Dreamers and non-dreamers. Now, I want to read another passage to you. We're going to actually move five chapters into the future. Okay, Genesis chapter 42, verse 6. Genesis chapter 42, verse 6. It says this, uh, now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. Verse, uh, chapter 37, verse 8 tells us that Joseph tells his brothers that y'all going to bow down to me. And his brothers do not like it. His brothers hate on him. His brothers, who don't have a dream for their own life, hate him because of the dream that he has for his life. Well, five chapters later, those brothers do bow down. <laughs> the dream finally comes into fruition. But what you may not know is that Joseph has had to walk through 22 years of disappointment. 22 years of trial, 22 years of opposition, 22 years of discomfort, 22 years of being an immigrant in Egypt, 22 years of slavery and imprisonment, 22 years. He's 17 years old when he receives the dream from God in Genesis chapter 38, 37. He's 39 years old in Genesis chapter 42 when the dream finally comes to fruition. And I wonder if there's anyone watching this right now who 
you're frustrated that there's a 22-year gap in between the giving of the dream and the fruition of the dream. See, 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 it's funny because um, for, for most of us, I don't know if you're like me. I, I, I don't know if you're like me, right? If, if God knows that the dream is not going to come into fruition until I'm 39, then I'm thinking to myself, then just reveal it to me when I'm 38 and a half. Why do I have to walk through 22 years of disappointment, 22 years of waiting, 22 years of praying, 22 years of asking God to do it? Why tell me at 17 that something is going to happen if you know that it's not going to happen until I'm 39? And I remember the Holy Spirit saying, well, son, it's because I care more about the development of the dreamer than I care about the dream coming to pass. See, the, the, the man who's in love with walking will always walk more than the man who's in love with the destination. The, our generation is so in love with goals and destinations and accomplishments and mountaintops that we have forgotten that the way to even get accomplishments, to get destinations, is to become in love with the journey. And so in my, in my carnal mind, I'm frustrated that the dream is given to Joseph at 17 when there's nothing that's going to come to pass until he's 39. And there's 22 years of development. And maybe right now you are in the 22-year process of God developing you into the person that he wants you to be. Can you rest assured in this? That the same God that spoke the dream over your life is the same God who's actually ordering your steps so that you are able to actually be the person to sustain what God brings into your life when it's time for you to actually walk in the fullness of the dream that he has for you. Now, I, I, I want to tackle this because uh, I think this is important. Um, I think that uh, if I'm Joseph, if I'm Joseph, I, I'm a little aggravated. <laughs> like if I'm Joseph, Nina told me at 17 years old, your brother's going to bow down and you're going to be a leader. You're going to break generational curses. It's going to be amazing. And now I'm sold into slavery. Now I'm in prison. Actually, I'm thinking to myself, wait a second. God told me I'm going to be a leader. God told me that I'm going to break generational curses off my family. God told me all of this stuff. And God then went ahead and hyped up my future to me. And now there's nothing about my reality that looks anything like anything that God said to me. I wonder if anybody has ever walked in that tension. Where God said, you're not going to be depressed anymore, and then you left church, and depression didn't go nowhere. You was just as depressed after church as you was before church. I wonder if there's anybody who's like, man, God told me to sow, and if I sowed, that there, there'd be wealth that I would accumulate in my life. And I've been sowing, and I haven't reaped anything, and I'm frustrated. I wonder if anyone's ever felt the tension of the gap between the dream that God sells us on and the reality of living life along the journey until we get to that dream. 
I, I, I like to say, like, God be hyping stuff up. Like, I don't know if there's anyone in your life that hypes stuff up. Like, I know people who hype up restaurants. And if they hype up a restaurant, my expectations are all high. And then I go to the restaurant, and I'm thinking to myself, this is what they was making a big deal about? Or I know people who hype up movies. Oh, Pastor Manny, this is the best movie. I can't believe how good this movie is. I went to see it three times. You need to see this movie. And then I go to the movie, and I'm... <sighs> snoring in the first 15 minutes of a movie because they hyped it up. And if I'm Joseph, I'm thinking to myself, God done hyped it up. God done hyped it up. He done told me I'm going to break generational curses, told me I'm going to be a leader, told me my brothers are going to bow down. He told me that I'm going to walk in prosperity. He told me that I'm going to walk in healing. God hyped it up. And now I'm sitting in a dungeon of a prison because a woman by the name of Potiphar's wife, lied on me after my brother sold me into slavery. It seems like my life got significantly worse when God started talking to me about the dream that he had for me. And if I'm Joseph, I'm asking this question. I don't know if I can trust God. And if we're honest, can I, can I ask a question for all the real Christians, like not all the super fake, extra spiritual, like you, you and God talk face to face every day, not y'all, all of the real believers in the room, like the real Christians who go through real life and real doubts and real problems. Can I ask, have you ever felt deceived by God? Oh, Jeremiah felt deceived by God. Have you ever felt like, I just don't know if I can trust this God? Because he keeps hyping stuff up. He keeps hyping things up. And then when the rubber meets the road, I'm in prison and I'm a slave and I'm poor and I'm bound. And God's dream has only gotten me into trouble. And I don't know if I can trust him. Oh, no judgment. This is a no judgment zone, baby. It's Planet Fitness tonight, okay? No judgment. That I've realized that it's actually the immature Christian who's wondering whether or not they can trust God. This is the immature Christian who's wondering, I just don't know if I can trust God. I just don't know. I, God spoke, and it's been 22 years, and nothing has come to pass. It's the immature Christian who's wondering whether or not they can trust God. But it's the mature Christian who's asking whether or not God can trust them. I have found that in a relationship with God, it is not us that should be putting God on the stand. It is not us that should make God cross-examine God and make him give answers to all the things he didn't do in our life. Actually, it is the exact opposite. In a relationship between you and God, you are the one who lacks faith even when God's totally faithful. You are the one that's inconsistent even when God's totally consistent. You are the one who gets afraid even when God has spoken about what he's going to do. In your relationship with God, there's one person who cannot be trusted and it ain't God and when you move from immaturity to maturity you stop wondering whether or not he can be trusted and you start wondering whether or not you can be trusted 
you get a little bit more uh, self-examinatory. <laughs> you start to go down the trail of self-examination. Instead of cross-examining God, you begin to self-examine and hold up a mirror and begin to ask this question, does God trust me? And here's the trick. If God can trust you, he'll tell you his secrets. If he can tell you his secrets, he'll tell you which, which, uh, which neighborhoods to buy real estate in because that's the neighborhood that's going to appreciate. If he can tell you his secrets, he'll tell you which stocks to buy so that you can bring wealth into the kingdom of God. If he can trust you, if he can trust you he'll give you a heads up about a pandemic. If he can trust you, oh, he tells his friends his secret. God won't even destroy Sodom and Gomorrah without revealing it to Abraham first because God calls Abraham his friend. And friends earn trust. I need you to write this down. Trust is not a right. Trust is an earned privilege. I cannot demand by right that God start trusting me. I can only earn God's trust by obeying him even when I don't understand. I earn God's trust by trusting him enough to obey when my understanding runs out. Trusting God is only necessary when I don't understand. But there's a lot of Christians who will not obey God until they understand. I ain't going to tithe until you explain it to me. Okay. Well, guess what? Your experience is always going to be limited by your inability to trust even when you don't understand. I earn God's trust. I do not have a right to demand that God trust me. Now I want to teach you this principle. Here we go. God does not trust what God has not tested. I'll say that again. God does not trust what God has not tested. God does not trust what God has not, come on, say it with me in the chat, tested. Many of us think that spiritual maturity comes from age. Spiritual maturity does not come from age. Spiritual maturity comes from passing the tests that God begins to administer to you in the school of life. Whenever God is ready for you to leave the second grade and go to the third grade, he gives you a final exam. And most of us keep skipping school on exam day, wondering why we've been saved for 15 years, but you're still at grade three or grade two when it comes to spiritual maturity. Because spiritual maturity is not just a result of coming to church and listening to sermons and lifting your hands for worship. Spiritual maturity is a result of you passing the tests that God brings you. You may not like this, but cancer is a test. You may not like this, but unemployment is a test. You may not like this, but people gossiping on you is a test. You may not like this, but betrayal is a test. You may not like this, 
but the divorce was a test. You may not like this, but parenting is a test. Me and my wife definitely didn't like this, but it's true. Infertility was a test. God was testing my faith. God was testing my selfishness. God was testing my ability to sacrifice. God was testing my discipline. God was testing whether or not I actually believe in the dream that he gave me when I was 15 years old, that I would be the first Orango to birth Christian Orangos. <laughs> that my son is the first Orango to ever be born in a Christian home. That's the dream. See, everything is a test. And if God's testing you, oh, I need you to see this. I need you to get this. Oh, this is good. This is good. God is not allowed to test you on material that he did not teach you. Whoo! If God is testing you, it must mean that somewhere along the way, he taught you the stuff that he's now testing you on. If you've been to college, if you've been to school, if you've been in life, a professor cannot test you on stuff that that professor did not, come on, teach you. God does not trust those he has not tested, and God cannot test those he has not taught. God's test is proof that he believes that you learned the material. God's test is proof that he believes that you've learned the material, that it's time to move from classroom theory to real-life testing. It's funny. I was hanging out with my friend, uh, one of my best friends, um, and uh, I was hanging out with him and his two sons. And, you know, this is before I was a dad, so anytime I was hanging around dads, I was like, oh, yeah, this, you know, this is good dad training, you know? Hanging out with dads, trying to, you know, figure out how this works, you know? What, what, what's, what is it like being a dad? And uh, he, he had allowed one of his sons to, to play with, like, a motorized car or something like that. And uh, his other son, he, he didn't let this other son play with the same toy. The, and so the younger boy got real mad, like real social justice-like type, like, you know, just real bold. Like, Dad, you gave my brother that because you love him more. Real bold. Like, this is unjust. This is unfair. I'm sitting there. I'm not a dad yet. I'm just looking like, how you going to handle this, bro? Like, this is, this is... This is uh, your, your boy's, your boy, and he sound kind of right if you ask me, you know what I'm saying? I think you should treat your, your kids, you know, the same. You do feel like you kind of love that one a little bit more than you love this one. I mean, why don't you give him the same toy? And my, my friend, you know, he knelt down, he looked his son in the face, he said, hey, I didn't give your brother that toy because I love him more. I gave him that because I trust him more. I trust him more. Oh, how many times do we look at the blessing someone else got versus what we got? And we assume that because God blessed them with that versus what God blessed us with, that his blessing is a result of his love towards that person. Can I tell you, God is not a respecter of persons. 
He loves you just as he loves me, just as he, much as he loves the Pope, just as much as he loves anybody on the planet. When Cain is jealous of Abel, God has a very objective, unemotional response. If you do right, won't I accept your sacrifice too? And what God is saying is blessing is not simply a demonstration of my love, but it's also a demonstration of my trust. And so next week, next week, we are going to walk through the three tests that Joseph walks through. Because God wants to trust Joseph. But if God is going to trust Joseph, then first God has to test Joseph. And there are three specific tests that Joseph is going to have to walk through. And I'm going to give you all three of them next week. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for every single person watching this right now. Whether they're watching it live on a Wednesday night or whether they're watching it on YouTube as a replay years down the line, God, I ask that the word would still be relevant. God, I ask it to, tonight <laughs> that you would unblock ears, that God, that you would um, take the scales off of our eyes so that we can see. And God, if anyone watched this with a calloused heart, God, I ask that you would be softening their heart so they can receive the word. We declare 30, 60, and 100 fold increase in their life as a result of world overcomers sowing the seed of God's word into their life. God, we love you. We commit our ways to you. God, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you're a part of the world overcomers family, we'll see you right here on Sunday, live and in person. If you are not a part of the world overcomers family, but you live in the Durham, Raleigh Triangle area, come visit church. And if you just live across the world, across the globe, we love you. Thank you for tuning in. And we'll see you for week four of this sermon series on resilience. I'll see you next week. Love you. God bless you. And let his peace be on your life. All right. See you next week. Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.